Babylonia's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic podcast number 804, March 7th, 2022. 73 degrees was the high on this day on two occasions, 1987 and 2000. And it was as chilly as 16 below on this day in 1960. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Bert says, Joe, the BR and I enjoyed uh, BR. What's that? What'd that be? Bride? Enjoyed Kenny's assertion that the end would arrive at 3 p.m. on March 4th. She decided to take it a little further. I woke up Saturday morning to a rather loud air raid siren she plucked off the web. This was followed by REM's End of the World. She found my confusion hilarious. It was a pretty funny, although the dog has been nervous all weekend. She continued pulling various songs up all day. Radioactive by both The Firm and Imagine Dragons. 21st Century Schizoid Man by King Crimson for some reason. And so on. I should be irritated with the Nostra Dorcas, but his dire announcement caused amusement around <laughs> here. Uh, I also uh, need you to ask Kenny if... Nuclear explosion will kill all the foliage. Nuclear. We're all going to pronounce that word correctly. It's nuclear. So somebody found it lighthearted. Bert did. Well, I, I, I'm sure you missed it, Joe. But um, Friday, Mike Fratelloni and I decided to record our weekly Scramble podcast. And we, we called Mr. Olson at 3.01 p.m. Oh, on Friday. Oh, you did. Yeah. And then he hung I'll up. Go for you. Yeah, he, then he hung up on us after 10 seconds. <laughs> Who is this? It's Reavers and Fred Lowe. Well, he did Click. say, he said, are you guys recording? Meaning he was going to cuss me out. So I said, yeah, we're recording. You can't swear. <laughs> and then <laughs> I said, stuff. didn't I say something? Let me tell you something funny or something like that. Yeah, no, you said, hey, I got something really interesting to tell you. And then we heard click. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe, I received a lot of, uh, uh, let's call it heat. Um, from um, both, um, how would I describe these people? Believers I, and non-believers? I would describe them as uh, non-GLers, euphorians, who mm-hmm. were mad at me about the, uh, my, I don't know, you can call it a prediction, but I was pretty sure. Uh, and then I just tweeted innocently, non-politically, the, um, about the trucker convoy that went through the metro mm-hmm. on uh, Friday. Boy, did I get a lot of hate tweets from people that didn't follow me or that don't follow me. And not once did I say anything political. I approached the truck convoy as a traffic reporter, non-biased. Well, and, are there opponents to the truck convoy? I would imagine oh, so. Oh, my goodness. But they yeah. didn't oh, cause any disruptions around here, did they? I know, but the haters said they did anyway. Oh. What? Yeah. Well. That was a peaceful protest. A convoy. Our friend Tom Lyman of the Traveling Lymans. Uh, we, we got an we got an issue here. Yeah. Check check your phone, Chris. I just sent you a text. Okay. Is, is Joe actually in studio today? Oh. Yeah. yeah what's going I am. on here? I am. All right. But we're not seeing me on the screen, are we? Which no. is fine with me. No, I got to adjust it, as you were. Well, uh, Tom Lyman has alluded to his various readings of financial 
sites. Uh, I don't know what he did for a living before they took off to see the world. Oh, this, I was hoping you wouldn't get this, Joe. Why? It's so depressing. It really is. But he's, oh, you know, he's earned his uh, he's earned his yeah credibility. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is from a March 7, 2020 article. Hmm. So it's another day and the war rages on. Word has it that Russia is going to disconnect from the... This has to be March 7, 2022, doesn't it? Uh, hold on. He did send a I think he corrected, a, corrected the date. Uh, yeah, it should be 2022. Right. Yep. So yep. this is just uh, today. <laughs> this is today. Mm-hmm. So it's another day and the war rages on. I, he's not uh, telling me which journal he got this from. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. No. So it's another day in the war rages on. Word has it that Russia is going to disconnect from the global Internet on the 11th. That means citizens of Russia will only be able to access sites that are hosted on Russian servers. Many think this is a prelude to cyber attacks about to come from Russia. I don't know that this is true. Uh, But one thing I can tell you for certain is this. Klaus Schwab, the bizarre creature from the World Economic Forum, has warned that his worst fear is a global cyber attack. So it's more possible that Putin understands that a global attack is in the works and wants his nation isolated. The elites have this satanic ritual where they have to tell you what they're going to do without telling you. (laughs) Like when they held their giant meeting in New York talking about what would happen if a global pandemic hit, and just like that, a global pandemic hit. So there's no doubt that Klaus and his cronies have a global cyber attack planned. This is without a doubt the most worrisome thing we face. Imagine a global attack on infrastructure. Power out, water processing out, banking down, cash registers offline. There's no end to the mess we'd be in because everything we do now is somehow connected to online. This is the reason I've been writing the Dark Winter series. I don't know who he's referring to. If they pull a global cyber hack and everything goes down, it would be nice to be able to live through it. Oil spiked to over $135 a barrel this weekend, but cooled off a bit down to 124 This is going to cripple us. Everyone thinks somehow that electricity just comes out of these wall outlets. They don't seem to understand that it takes fossil fuel to make the stuff. With coal doubling in price, oil doubling in price, natural gas doubling in price, your electric bill is going to soar. The Dow futures are down 500 bucks. It isn't pretty out there. Gold was briefly over $2,000 last night. If I could give you one word of advice today, I'd say get up, head to the grocery store, and buy $1,000 worth of food because it will be higher next week and the week after that and the week after that. We are in deep doo-doo. Hmm. Well, All right. take that for what you will. Uh, yep. I, I bounced that idea off the CP today. I said, why don't you go buy $1,000 worth of groceries? And she scoffed. She doesn't, she doesn't, think, yeah, that's, doesn't think that's necessary. She said, it. why are you trying to trim down my bill? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> why are you cutting me <laughs> off? But in all honesty, because after the, the, the Friday show, when you depressed the living hell out of all of us, you know, we, we were all doing some thinking over the weekend. All of us are completely aware that fossil fuels and the, the price of gas affects everything. Mm-hmm. So it was reported that the Biden administration has either reached out or has already tried to meet with Saudi Arabia about oil production. He's going over there. Why are these idiots not realizing that we need to produce oil here? Mm-hmm. Even, even why, why is this so hard for them to understand? Even Elon Musk. Right. Well, 
who, going against his own pocketbook, is saying, look, we need we need gasoline. Hey, Joe, we, we need to get this Let's, going here. Right. If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, I don't know what will. The, the, the largest manufacturer of electric vehicles just told the president, you need to upgrade your oil production. I haven't figured it out yet, but to uh, go along Friday's theme, there's a... Uh, what was Friday's theme? We're bleeped? Yeah. Okay. There is a level of... There's going to be a level of a world inconvenience. Hmm. To put it mildly. To put it mildly, I, I, I need a better word. Well, I don't want to get apocalyptic, but there's turmoil. going to be there's going to be a level of world turmoil that uh, we have not seen, mm-hmm. and it's almost as though this attack on Ukraine is a is a uh, is a beard for that. It's almost <laughs> a it's almost a a ruse, and that there are things going on that obviously we don't know anything about. Uh, but what we do know uh, is what we can see with our own eyes. I got gas yesterday, and the cheapest uh, octane was damn near four dollars. So that'll be four or five bucks. And I told you Friday that's going to end up being the least of our problems, because if it's going to be five dollars, it's going to be eight, and if it's going to be eight, it's going to be ten, and then pretty soon it's going to be zero because there won't be any. Interesting piece in the uh, op-ed yesterday, Star Tribune. Wake up. World War III has begun. I, I happen to believe that. Yeah, and and I and seventy five percent of that war, we we see twenty five percent of that war. It's happening on the streets of Ukraine. Seventy five percent of the war is yet unknown to us. Mm-hmm. That would be my rounded off numbers. Would you like um, twenty seconds of the uh, Energy Secretary Pete Buttigieg? By the by the way, sure. He's got an answer to how we can fix this. Okay. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. Please tell me that was was, all a lie. That was January 1st, right, Chris? That wasn't in the last two weeks, was it? Unfortunately, I believe this took place on Friday. Was it Friday? He also said we don't need long-term solutions, meaning producing more oil, to short-term problems, meaning this current spike in gas. I, I misspoke. He's the oh. Secretary of Transportation. What did you call him? I said energy. I don't oh, know why yeah, I said he's, he's also obviously on Putin's payroll because that's, that's at, at this point in our history, that's anti-American. Well, it's being reported on numerous sites that uh, what needs to be investigated is Russia's covert funding of U.S. anti-fossil fuel groups. Mm-hmm. In 2014, the same year Russia annexed Crimea, then North Atlantic Treaty Organization Secretary General Anders Fu Rasmussen warned that Russia was covertly working to undermine European and U.S. fossil fuel production. Three years later, in 2017, Representative Lamar Smith, Republican Texas, and Randy Weber, Republican Texas, sent a lengthy letter to then Treasury Secretary Stephen Munchen, Mnuchin making a similar accusation. Importantly, their letter connected some of the dots highlighting Russia's covert attempts to fund various environmental organizations that were trying to limit or end U.S. hydraulic fracturing uh, or fracking for shale, gas, and oil. The media and Democrats uh, mostly shrugged their uh, shoulders at these allegations. 
They were far too busy trying to prove the now discredited Russian Trump election collusion to be bothered with a more plausible Russian environmental activist collusion. Maybe Russia's invasion of Ukraine will force these naysayers to reconsider the accusations and evidence and begin with new investigations. According to The Guardian, Rasmussen, who was also a former prime minister of Denmark, claimed in a presentation to a think tank in London, I have met allies who can report that Russia, as part of their sophisticated information and disinformation operations, engaged actively with so-called non-governmental organizations, environmental organizations working against shale gas to maintain Europe dependence on imported Russian gas. He declined to give t- details, saying only, this is my interpretation. NATO's press office said the remarks were Rasmussen's personal views, not official NATO policy. But a NATO official did tell The Guardian Russia has been using a mix of hard and soft power in its attempt to recreate a sphere of influence, including through a campaign of disinformation on many issues, including energy. Well, if this is true, we don't know if it is. If it's true, it work. it's working. Yeah, it is. It's working. Yes. Because we uh, have managed to elect a political class that has bought into the uh, obscene nonsense that we uh, uh, were just harming the earth with the use of fossil fuels, when the truth is you're going to be harming the earth far worse, just mining the stuff you need to build batteries for electric cars. Right. Wouldn't uh, this also align with your theory from last Friday, the the bigger picture, the bigger shell game that's actually going on that we're not even remotely mm-hmm. aware of? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it might even be too late for uh, Europe to shun Russian gas and oil. They're too dependent on it. Yeah, that would take time. To... They're just too dependent on it. And, and if we had a change of heart in this country and started producing at full speed, it would still take a, what, a year or two? I have no idea. To get up to speed? Well, there was someone that posted an article basically suggesting that the Biden administration has placed more sanctions on uh, America's ability to produce energy than Russia, because we're still we're still buying their oil. The Smith Weber letter, the uh, two legislators who wrote the uh, the letter to then Secretary uh, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. Uh, the letter notes that former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton complained in a speech to a private audience in 2016. We were even up against phony environmental groups, and I'm a big environmentalist, but these were funded by the Russians. That's Hillary Clinton saying it. Smith and Weber asserts that the Russian government and complicit parties had a scheme that allows money originating from foreign countries like Russia to funnel through Bermuda-based shell companies to environmental groups in the U.S. with the aim of disrupting the U.S. energy industry. They allege that tens of millions of dollars were handed to Bermuda-based Klein Limited, which then funneled the money to the Sea Change Foundation, which distributed the funds to various non-governmental organizations. Uh, Clearly, uh, environmental groups have had success with their anti-fracking efforts. New York, Washington, and Maryland have banned fracking. California Governor Newsom issued an executive order last year banning fracking. Uh, in the state by 2024. Mm. As for Europe, fracking was never really embraced. The Smith-Weber letter includes, this. I'm reading from a site called The Hill. Uh, The Smith-Weber letter includes much more detail than I can here, so look at their letter for yourself, and then they link you to it. 
It does not establish Russian culpability, but it does provide a solid basis for further investigation if Congress and the media are finally interested. And they just might be, given Russian President Vladimir Putin's horrendous and unjustified invasion of Ukraine. There could be a lot of interest in investigating Putin's foreign mischief. Hmm. In hindsight, it is increasingly apparent that Putin has been preparing for his Ukrainian invasion for years. Dominating the global energy market by covertly working to limit U.S. production would have been a huge coup in more ways than one. Instead, over the last decade, the United States became the world's energy powerhouse, producing 11.3 million barrels of crude every day in 2020, compared to Russia's 10.5 million barrels per day, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. As for natural gas, the uh, same organization said the U.S. produces uh, 33.5 trillion cubic feet versus 22.5 trillion cubic feet for Russia. That was in 2020. Had Russia dominated global energy production, Putin would be in a better position to thumb his nose at countries critical of his invasion and deprive his critics of needed oil and gas. Putin, see, because we're not now producing that amount of gas and oil. If Democrats in the media are still interested in finding some type of Russian collusion, maybe they should begin by investigating whether Russia... Uh, actually has been covertly funding funding money, funneling money to environmental uh, NGOs. This is written by Merrill Matthews, a resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation in Dallas, Texas. Hmm. So funneling money to environmentalist groups so their uh, appearance would grow so we would use less or produce less oil. Yeah, I don't know, you know, did the money end up going to a group that Jane Fonda joined to go up and pretend to be complaining about a, the Enbridge pipeline? I mean, I don't it's know really how it would have worked. That's a really I don't deep know how it would have thought. Okay, but then let me throw this at you. Throw it at us. Let's just say we, we do investigate. Or I should say, who, who the hell's going to investigate? Well, Congress would have to take it seriously. And and do you think that there's a chance that that's going to happen? Because I certainly don't. No, we seem to be in the grips of people who have wholeheartedly bought the idea that fossil fuels are dangerous. Correct. And they make the world go around. And if you remove them, the world stops going around. Sure does, Joe. Which is where we were going Friday. If you remove the fuel, we're done. We'll just get an electric car. Well, no. See, Chris, that that requires fossil fuels. Oh, you got to fire up coal plants, and you got to fire up the big diesel ju- uh, bulldozers at mine, and you have to. But wait, 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 wait. AOC says we just need the Green New Deal, and everything will be just fine. We're going to be fine. Well, and, and the shame of it is that many people in this country have, have turned. Uh, uh, to believe in the words of a, a very uh, incompetent bartender who m- miraculously enough became a congresswoman and is, uh, is not terribly bright. No. Do you know anything about the Bakken formation? Yes. D- well, I, I know enough to be dangerous. What is from, it? From what, I under- the Dakotas. Okay. from what I understand, uh, the reason they reduced output so much is due to the low price of oil at the time. 
crude oil was at a record low, and they reduced output by, uh, if I remember right, 40%. Well, I think what we have to factor in, too, is that demand for oil dropped precipitously because of COVID. Because of the pandemic, yeah. So why can't we crank that up to be uh, producing at 100%? I realize it has to either be piped or shipped elsewhere to turn into gasoline, but I, I mean... You've got to start somewhere. And the Bakken, if I remember right, also puts out more, produces more oil than the oil fields in Texas. Well, oh. if I had to take a wild conspiratorial guess, I would say that during COVID, the Greens never let that crisis go to waste. Uh, using COVID and the reduction in demands, they made a lot of advances in their claims that fossil fuels are dangerous for the earth. And thus came this supposed mm. Green New Deal. And there's nothing green or new about it. It's, it's a corruption of uh, Western stability is all it is. It's a corruption of uh, the way free societies operate. There, there's 75% of this World War III taking place that we have no bleeping clue where it's going to end up. None. And and these poor Ukrainian citizens, they're the ones taking it. Mm-hmm. Innocent well, mothers and fathers and being gunned down in the streets with their children. Wow. We have three big fields, North Dakota, Texas, and uh, New Mexico, I believe. And they all need to be producing at 100% right now. Do they have the capability to do so, Kenny? Meaning the staff, the would they well, be it's, able to? It's, it'll be a case of hiring people back. Okay. Because in North Dakota, everybody, you know, either quit or lost their jobs. Well, won't it also be a case of getting the correct federal permitting? Uh, That I don't know about, but I would assume you're correct. And then it's turning that crude into, you know, usable gas. Mm -hmm. We might as well mention uh, this thing you found over the weekend, Kenny. Uh, Do we have to? I don't know if I believe it, even though the Times ran with it this morning. Well, it's purported to be the uh, about a 2,000-word text from uh, an FSB analyst. FSB is what agency in Russia? It's the, the uh, Federal their, Security. Yeah it's, their, yeah, it's their new KGB. Okay. It's, it's what the KGB became. And uh, as Kenny said, the, the New York Times over the weekend ran all of it or a portion of it and and I'm not going to uh, burden you with reading all three pages. What I take from it is that you have here on the inside in Russia uh, uh, either a man or a woman who uh, is admitting that the FSB was unaware that this war would be taking place, mm-hmm. that they're being now worked to death to come up with analysis and scenarios for and they can't produce them because they didn't have enough lead time mm-hmm. yeah and they're being scolded for their analysis so in the, the bottom line is whatever they an- analyze had best show uh russia in a favorable light yeah. and and whoever oh. this presumably brave soul is is saying look this isn't working out at all and we're uh, we were unaware of it happening and now we're trying to play catch up and we can't uh, and that's that's the the gist of it. Uh, he writes, our blitzkrieg is totally collapsed. It is impossible to complete the task. If Zelensky and his deputies were captured in the first three days, all key buildings also captured, and they were forced to read an address of their surrender to the country, then Ukraine's resistance would have likely dissolved to a minimal level. 
theoretically. But then what? Even in the ideal outcome, there remained an unsolvable problem. Who is the counterparty to our negotiations? If we remove Zelensky, fine. Who is going to sign the agreement? If Zelensky signs, then what? That agreement is worthless after we remove him. Mm-hmm. See, they're they're just in a state of flux. They don't know what the hell's going on because it's a country full of liars. And don't you think that that's a, an entity that probably should have been aware that we're, oh, by the way, we're about to go to war with our next-door neighbor? Well, then this reintroduces, spies, yeah. this reintroduces the very reasonable probability that Putin is insane. Yeah, it really built up. Uh, I, I really felt good after reading this. You, uh, be- you did? Because I felt the opposite. Uh, I, I did because I, I, it felt like Russia's screwed no matter what. Yeah, they're oh. in total disarray. Um, this saying, guy says they've lost 10,000 troops. I don't know if I believe that see, number. That, I, I was very number, wary yeah. of that, yeah. Um, what, Chris? Nothing. Oh, as you were. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they're saying um, that they can't occupy uh, Ukraine because um, if they form a new government, it'll be overthrown right away. Um, and if you if you want to occupy, they don't have enough people to do it. Mm-hmm. And he runs down a few bullet points on why things are going bad. Um, they cannot mobilize um, inside of Russia. Uh, it'd be a disaster politically, economically, and socially. Their logistics are already overextended. Um, they can send a larger contingent into Ukraine, but then what would they get? They'd get U- Ukraine, a territorially, territorially enormous country, and their hate towards us is astronomical. Mm-hmm. Their roads can't accommodate resupply of convoys. Uh, and he goes on and on and on. You know what else? will? It comes down to this. Uh, I read this over the weekend. It will come down to mud. Mud? Mud. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 it's, it's great farmland there. And in the spring, it turns muddy. Okay. And, and nothing will screw up a tank more than mud. Oh, yeah. Get so, to the nooks and crannies. It, it's, mud is a big player in this thing. Mud. I, I've told you the story about the local guy up here who, um, when the DNR was contacted to clean out a ditch and, and uh, open up some flowage, the DNR said, no. Nah, um, so a couple of lo- locals called uh, uh, the guy with the backhoe. He goes, yeah, I'll be going by in 10 minutes. I'll be right there. <laughs> he unloaded his backhoe. He took care of it, and he was gone with under an hour, and the whole problem was solved. That story, I, I'm wondering, where are those guys over in Ukraine? The guys, why don't they take their backhoe out and dig a huge trench in the road? Yeah. Why don't they divert a river onto the roadway? Yeah. Why don't they shut down the smaller roadways? You know, stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. The locals, the guys that get bleep done. <sighs> the Center for the American Experiment. Talk to me. Gets things done. They're, Go Minnes- Goose. they're Minnesota's think tank, and they have been for more than 30 years. We're lucky to have them in our midst. We need them. They issue reports and papers and research, and they have events and speakers on leading public policy issues of the day. They have a great magazine you can subscribe to, a great website. They get in the arena, man. They roll their sleeves up. They, they fight on issues like education reform, sensible energy policy, health care, and the state budget. They're trying to make Minnesota a freer and more prosperous and better governed state. I, uh, I think they might have quite a bit to say, for example, about a $9 billion surplus. I bet. I bet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Uh, Center of the American I Experiment. I can almost tell you what they want to do with that surplus. I think they would like to uh, 
see much of that be returned to the people who produced it. Agreed. Uh, plus, they they would be have they would have very interesting thoughts on ch- uh, lowering taxes. Yep. Right. Yep. If you want to learn more, and these are great people to learn from, they have a tutorial on the food uh, fraud, the alleged food fraud. They'll have give you a timeline so you can follow that. And every every story is linked to another story that will help you understand that. Uh, learn more at uh, AmericanExperiment.org. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Oh boy, uh, seafoam. Seafoam in the gas tank, now more relevant than ever. Uh, it's a straight-up miracle for use in older or stored gas by helping keep it viable over a long period of time. You add it right to your cans or your storage tank. And with your vehicle, it all it really helps your mileage uh, by keeping the injectors, the jets, whatever you've got in there, depending on the age, clean. Uh, here's Let Kenny break it down for you. I'm going to dumb it down for you. A cleaner intake will result in a cleaner exhaust, which means the emission components are working better and the mileage you're getting will be optimal. There's nothing worse than getting that stupid engine light flashing and then the engine starts running on reduced power due to an uh, issue with the emissions components. Ugh, drives me crazy. The benefits of seafoam cover everything in your vehicle from entry to exit. And like we uh, discussed last week, a little bit bit of seafoam straight down the oil filler tube into the crank. Uh, Do that a few hundred miles before an oil change. That's going to help your high-mileage vehicles maintain a cleaner, carbon-free crank case. Say that. Yeah, it's truly, Rook, my friend, truly a great product in a world of bad gas and and high-price gas, for that matter, Seafoam. I didn't want to spend time with this story, but the more I think about it, I must, uh, because it's directly linked to the problems we're facing with the shortage of fossil fuel to refine. It's a story that was on page B3 of yesterday's Star Tribune. Uh, Teresa T. McClenty grew up in Camden, New Jersey, in a neighborhood, she says, was rife with gangs, drugs, and prostitutes. McClenty's mother dreamed of a healthier environment in which to raise her children. So she picked a spot on a map and moved us all the way across the country to the Quad Cities, to Rock Island, Illinois, recalls McClenty, now 54. It was a culture shock for me. I was used to being around more people that looked like me. Now McClenty is determined to make healthier environments for the norm for lower-income communities and communities of color. She spent 16 years working as an emergency medical technician and most recently worked on outreach and health initiatives at North Point Health and Wellness Center in North Minneapolis. Uh, after years of watching people of color walk into the emergency room wheezing with allergy and asthma symptoms... McClenty is shifting gears to a role in which she can address the poor, uh, the, the root cause. Uh, she just started her second month as executive director at the Minneapolis-based climate justice nonprofit MN350. Hmm. And, Rook, what have you found out about that? I haven't found out who fund them, but uh, I've got one of my moles mm-hmm. um, that I can, that okay. would, uh, will know. Climate justice, you say? Yeah. Didn't yeah. You, do you have asthma? Yeah, I do. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, years later in labor organization. Did he show a concern for you, or was uh, it just more of a... I think he was more worried about him. Could okay. he catch it from me? I don't okay. think I can catch okay. it. <laughs> this is astonishing, and we must stay with this. 
years in labor organization leadership, in, in addition to health care, helped prepare McClenty for this role, in which she hopes to shift the narrative of climate change to climate justice. And that includes fighting for clean air in all communities so that everyone can breathe easily. Sahan Journal's conversation with McClenty has been edited for length and clarity. Uh, how did you end up in Minnesota? We don't need that answer. Uh, what does climate justice mean? And why is it important to you personally? We need that answer. It's more important to say climate justice than climate change. We're not going to move ahead if, we, if we're just focusing on our resources for white people. Is air just for white people? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, the elite. The, the good areas. Right. Yeah, only the good areas. This is just utter nonsense. We're not going to move ahead if we're just focused on resources for white people. Mm-hmm. Even though I will say also white people are our allies, so we have to figure out how do we partner together. <laughs> to do what? Climate justice is important to me personally, uh, not only because I worked on the front lines of the emergency room seeing people at their worst, where there was a lot of allergies and asthma, but my own child suffered from these same two things and the community that looks like me is the hardest hit. Immigrant and low-income communities are hardest hit by the impacts of climate change. Is the air in Cedar Riverside different than the air at Lake Nokomis? Mm. That's kind of far away, so I'm not sure what kind of change you'll get, but... But Reavers, you have asthma, and you grew up in a rural area. So, what was her first name again? I'm sorry. Her name is T. T. McClenty. McClenty. Uh, Miss McClenty, I, I, I've got a proposal for you. Um, how about you come come with me in the fall, and uh, we'll bale hay in the heat of you know late August, early September. Good idea. And let's see let's see who lasts longer. I having asthma, and you do not. Immigrant, which I did, by the way, with asthma as a kid, all the time. Immigrant and low-income communities are hardest hit by the impacts of climate change. Some speculate that because of the climate crisis and pollution, what, what crisis? The top four health conditions are allergies, asthma, autism, and breast cancer. And the BIPOC community is hardest hit by those. I, I don't know how that, why that would be. Uh-huh. Um, I'll, I'll buy that if you give me proof. Education and resources are not equally shared. Uh-huh. That's why I wanted to get into climate justice. So can I speculate what she means? Oh, because I'm going to give you the answer. Oh, okay. boy. Okay, go ahead. I'm building up to the link about our larger concern about what's happening around the world. All right. What are your goals for MN 350 and climate justice? Uh, well, this is just a start, not just hiring me as director, but having a staff that looks like the community we're going to help. I think Minnesota can lead the way. We can engage more people who are not aware of the fight we're doing uh, in the work of climate. So she's fighting. Really quick motion. Um, I think I have a sounder when you utter the phrase climate justice, if that's okay. In the social justice movement, they say change is created by 3.5% of the population. That's our goal, to get 3.5% of the people involved. But that means 3.5% of all communities engaged. Uh, If 3.5% excludes people of color, we're very likely to recreate the same system we have now. So it needs to be 3.5% of every community. Uh, okay, now here's, here's, here's where I'm going to link all of this together. Yeah. The, uh, when was this from? The left has so 
it's it's a, a story from the Sahan Journal, a nonprofit newsroom dedicated to covering Minnesota's immigrants, and the Star Tribune picked it up. It was in yesterday's paper. Okay. okay. And, and now I'm going to read you the next paragraph, which answers this, which which helps us understand something. The left's uh, embracing of an anti-fossil fuel ideology is is such a bedrock part of their platform now that it it even is uh, wholly uh, embraced and used by someone we've never heard of named T. McClenty, who is the new director of a nonprofit that's fighting for the climate because she thinks people of color are more likely to get asthma. If you could reverse one thing we've done wrong for the environment, what would it be? I would say the pipelines. One thing we've done wrong, we didn't really look at how it was going to negatively impact those communities. We oppose expansion of fossil fuel infrastructure, including oil pipelines. Also, some of us are so fortunate that we don't have to worry, is our water clean? But there's a fear in the same communities, and is the water going to have a negative impact on my family long term? In order to buy, have safe water, do I need to buy filters? <laughs> I've got a well, fellas. Uh, I've got a well that was plugged or uh, put down in 2005. Mm -hmm. Cannot drink out of it. Can't use it for cooking. Hmm. 2005. Considered brand new. Well, what's um, wrong with it? Seepage? Well, it's got the... It's a, it's a natural... Uh, Too much uh, zinc. Polyplastic? No, it has nothing to do with man. Oh, it's um, it's it's made underground, and okay. it's just bad water. You know, it's here's I mean, a woman. The point is, I need about ten thousand dollars of filters to make it better. Yeah, yeah, risk it. Well, here's a woman who thinks the biggest problem is uh, pipelines, and that they uh, this MN three fifty whatever that is, they expose the expansion of fossil fuel infrastructure. I am told there are a lot of national groups that give them money, progressive groups. Yep. Uh, there's a network of groups. Some are founders of 350.org nationally. So the majority of their money, uh, is, uh, according to their 2018 annual report, is through grants. But do I don't know the Finally, it concludes with, do you feel overwhelmed by environmental problems? If so, how do you keep going? <laughs> Sometimes when I think about climate, I get overwhelmed because it's so big. Like when I read the big national report about lakes and oceans, and I was like, oh, it's irreversible. But I'm a versatile person, so I also get hopeful because we're a smart people and we can figure things out. But I don't want to wait until it's too late. <clears throat> well, good luck, ma'am. Uh, I, I think you're full of hooey, uh, but I have a new theory. Oh. The closer you get to the country's tallest buildings... Mm -hmm the more likely you are to find... No, I'm not ready yet. Ooh, we gotta not work. ready gotta yet. Work. Not ready yet. But this is all in the name of climate justice. Ooh. Well, one, one way I can say it without having fully fleshed it out is that look at all of the people who end up on a payroll yes. in made-up, make-believe jobs. Mm-hmm. And that's only true the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. And you also saw the report, I saw it this morning, that uh, the administration is going to be hiring 10,000 people IRS. to work for the IRS yeah. to come after 
uh, back taxes. Now I can only to con- fund crap just like this. Well, I can only conclude that uh, T. McClenty, uh, obviously she gets paid as the director of this organization. I don't think it's a governmental organization. But Rook said they get no. grants. Did you not? Yeah, yeah but, I, I but don't they, know who they get they, grants from. Well, but but here here check it out. So I'm just Bring putting in my proviso. She might this might not be a government organization. It doesn't make any difference. These kinds of things, in addition to government programs, are ending up with more and more and more people on payrolls, uh, functioning at jobs for which there is no means to evaluate their success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I go? Yes. I think the whole article and everything you talked about is hoo-ha, except for the second-to-last bullet point. If you could reverse one thing we've done wrong for the environment, what would you do? And she says pipeline. So obviously she's against oil, and this is obviously a person that doesn't understand that power plants are powered by oil or coal and that the mining process for batteries are way more harmful than that. But what really struck me is something you mentioned casually earlier, about 20, 30 minutes ago, that there's a chance that Putin and Russia might be funding these anti-oil organizations. This, this could be an example of a group getting That's funded. exactly mm. what I thought. So I think uh, to pursue where these donations are coming to, but doesn't she, to me anyway, she's, it seems obvious that she doesn't understand just what oil does for us. But clearly she doesn't. Clearly she doesn't. And she doesn't understand... Just how evil batteries are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole process from start to finish, and there is no finish with these batteries. You, from what I understand, you cannot recycle them and reuse them. So then you got to figure out what to do with them. And she obviously doesn't understand nuclear power either. Uh, did I say that right? I hope so. Nuclear. <laughs> Um, because they're susceptible to attacks and leakage and everything else that comes along with that. So she seems like she's out of her league. Well, quite clearly, uh, but that's my point. How many people on payrolls, the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, are people who have been put there who don't know what they're doing? And and they, they can succeed at not being able to do anything because they're never going to be asked for the results of their work. They're never going to be exa- uh, uh, challenged about is your program achieving something? Yeah. But look, look at it's impossible to define what this woman's in charge of. There's no such thing as climate justice. She's making that up. Get it? As for earlier, her statement about how all of this affects the BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, more than uh, the crackers. Could she? And she didn't say so. Is it just a paying the bill thing? Because I didn't have asthma, but I had serious, serious allergy problems, and I, too, was affected during the hay harvest. Um, and I had the inhaler like Chris does. I had pills, and I had well, you, you two sh- shots every week. You and shouldn't have been affected. You're white. You should not have come that's down what, with that. That's, yeah. Well, I'm wondering if I could fight that because I was white. Is that what it is? Is that what she meant? I'm not sure. And to no, the invi- oh, if I had to guess what she means is that she's seeing everything through the lens of her blackness. And if a kid has uh, asthma, she's going to find a way to blame something. race. She's going to blame race mm-hmm. or the climate or what. When, of course, asthma knows no color. It affects people of all races, creeds, and colors. It has nothing to do with anything except you get asthma. And, and to the likes of her and many others that think, you know, we need to shut down uh, fossil fuels and oil production in general in this country, 
we're just going to get it from another country. Well, how is that any better for the environment if, if the oil is coming from a different part of the world? Because it's all being produced regardless. Well, but, right. By the way, my, I briefly mentioned my well. It's arsenic. And oh, it's, yeah. and it's oh, found naturally in right. groundwater. Right. Uh, it's not the result of chemicals or farmers or, any, or anything in the air. Uh, you could drill two wells 20 feet apart. One will be loaded with it. The other one will be clean. And you can only find it after the well's been punched in. Oh. You can't test for it ahead of time. Now, you, you, you would think most people... You would hope that most people would read this story about uh, uh, T. McClenty's new role as fighting the climate. Justice. Justice. And then and they, if they were thinking logically, they would think, well, this is nonsense. You're, you make no sense, and it's just one more job for which no measurement of success can be achieved. And you think to yourself, well, who would support such a thing? Oh, God, what are you about to bring up? Well, the lead letter in today's Star Tribune. Oh, good. Boy, you're picking all sorts of stuff that I didn't bother to. I, I read <laughs> and, and, then, and then I thought, nah, he's not going to touch that. Well, I wasn't going to, but it's all falling into place. Well, Let's hear it. You, you wonder who in the God's name in the Twin Cities is comfortable with this form of governing that we're experiencing. <coughs> well, Let's ask your next host. I hope that Minnesotans paid attention to the article a couple of weeks ago about the 1,200-year drought happening out west because we are a big part of the problem. Winter gets hard the older you get, something I hate to admit, but there it is. Last winter, I gave in to the lure of being a snowbird for a few weeks, and I loved it. Hiking in the Arizona warmth with not an icy patch in sight. Glorious. But as a committed environmentalist and the future grandmother of two little girls due to arrive soon who need a healthy planet to live on, I can't help but cringe now. I stayed in a house with a pool and a sprinkler system and was surrounded by more of the same. We all had our cars, traffic was intense, and the pollution was visible. The new construction for vacation homes went right up against the state and national parks. Arizona is being filled in and irrigated by people fleeing winter. Of course, agriculture plays a huge role, but we can't deny that our unwillingness to deal with the inconvenience of winter is putting the Southwest and the world at risk by tearing up the desert ecosystem, using water where we shouldn't, and exacerbating global warming in the process. Lenore, somebody from Minneapolis. She's, she's guilty now that she... Boy, she carries a lot of guilt oh, around, yeah. doesn't she? Yeah. Oof, a lot of duh. rules. A lot of rules. Oh, my goodness, Grandma. Now, I... I uh, I, too, marvel at the need for water in the Southwest. I, I can't argue that point. Is that just a case because there's 17,000 times as many people that live out there? But Palm Desert, Palm Springs, La Quinta, they're sitting on top of water. That's, that's where they get their water. Okay. And, uh, I, I, you know, and if, if this woman, here's what you should be concerned about, Lenore, or your, your two little uh, yet-to-arrive grandkids. Uh, There'll be a big fight for uh, Lake Superior. I'm convinced of it. Probably not in my lifetime, but it'll happen. That the Southwest will need the water and we'll have to... You, you worry about pipelines, you're going to be seeing some pipelines. They're oh, going to well, take Lake Superior. It's already been discussed. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, I'm going to say three at the most, there were talks about shipping our water yep. elsewhere in the country, and it was shut down right away. Yep. Uh, but for two weeks, uh, the talks were really intense. I think the guy was going to do it via semis, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah, Yeah, but wouldn't that water from Lake Superior be unusable? 
Because as Rook said, he could smell the salt water right. when you guys yeah. were in Duluth. It's like arsenic. Yep. Arsenic. Okay. Can smell the arsenic. Kenny can smell the arsenic in the well. He knows what's going on. I'm, I'm, we're uh, we're receiving a note from Dave Bliss in Sofia, Bulgaria. Oh, great thinker. Mm-hmm. On Friday's show, you referenced John Kerry's climate change concerns relative to the Russian-Ukrainian war. The following thoughts occurred to me when I first heard his interview. I'm a bit surprised no one else seemed to have caught this. Well, Dave, you're the smart one. That's why we have you. Right. Kerry mentioned how much of Russia's territory is covered in snow and how global warming will adversely affect those frozen territories. He seemed to think that frozen land thawing would be bad for the people living there. Most of the listeners to this show are from Minnesota, a state that spends a significant part of the year frozen. Thus, I expect most of the GLers will understand something that Kerry does not. Ice is death. You can't grow food in frozen ground. Frost kills crops. Cold temperatures harm animals. People are smart and can figure out how to survive in the cold, but we are designed to thrive in the warmth. If you doubt this, then simply answer this question. Why do people generally tend to go to warmer climates for vacations? Yeah, Lenore. See? Well, she felt guilty, though. Winnipeg is not known as a tourist destination. I often joke on cold winter nights about how I'm going to get go let the car run idle for a few hours to warm the climate up a bit. Though I, have ne- though I have never been there, Siberia sounds like a rough and frigid place. Warming it seems like it would help the people living there. Kerry's appeal to Putin to stop the war before his frozen land thaws is kind of like telling a thief to stop, sealing, stop, tealing, stop stealing lest he become rich and have to move to a nicer neighborhood. Boom. <laughs> Dave Bliss and Sofia Bulgaria. I need a glass of water. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for my friends at Hofferman Water. They are an independent water treatment dealer. They offer sales, service, and rental for Connecticut water treatment systems, including water softeners, iron rust and odor filtration systems, and, of course, drinking water systems. A new system from Connecticut can do so many things that other water softeners simply cannot. They will cut down on salt usage and protect all of your appliances. Trust me when I say bad water affects nearly every single aspect of your home. Your showers are better, your laundry is better, not to mention your drinking water. And another underrated aspect of this, a brand new state-of-the-art Connecticut water treatment system helps the resale value of your home. Please get in touch with my friends at Hoffman Water today. I had my Connecticut system installed years ago and it has made an amazing difference in the quality of my water. Call them today for that free water analysis. 952-894-4040 or you can just visit them online today at HoffermanWater.com. Hofferman Water, proudly serving the state of Minnesota for over 50 years. Hello. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. Oil's 130 bucks a gallon right now. I mean, a barrel right now. I just got notice. Um, Boy, gas is about to jump again today. Mm -hmm. I've got an insider working for me. Uh, fill up while you can. Commercial residential automotive. If it locks, I'll turn that off. Uh, the bad news just keeps coming in here. 
if it locks, uh, it rocks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whether it's sales or service, Rich can help you. I'm talking about Maple Grove Lock and Safe. He's the owner there. Sells more brands of safes uh, than than just the Liberty Safe. But the Liberty Safe isn't just a safe. It's the best safe ever made worldwide, and the great thing about it is it's made in the USA by Americans using materials procured from the United States of America. Feel free to hop on that website, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Take a look at the Liberty Safe showroom. You're going to find small ones. You can put them in drawers, closets, uh, in your uh, truck if you need to, your car, medicine cabinets. Uh, and then they go up from there all the way up to huge, big, big safes that you can get long guns and guitars and about a million wheat pennies in them. Rich has them all. Invest in security. He's our trusted expert with over 30 years in the biz. He's doing residential and commercial security services right there in Maple Grove, 6901 East Fish Lake Road and on the web, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Really quick, we have a bulletin out of... Uh from the Kiev Independent, who, by the way, if you guys are not following that newspaper, I would highly recommend it because they right. cover the uh, the situation uh, in Ukraine uh, better than anybody. Third round of Ukraine-Russia talks ends with no results. The parties agreed to change the logistics of humanitarian corridors, according to an advisor to the Zelensky administration. However, quote, there are no results that will significantly improve the situation, end quote. So they did meet for a third time. Well, because the first time they set up the humanitarian corridor over the weekend, Russia violated it. Yep. And, and shot, they, shot citizens. And they most likely will probably do it again. So, again, it's the uh, Kiev Independent is the account that's worth a follow. A Blaine city council member is facing several misdemeanors after he allegedly threatened a police officer's job after they arrested his son. Ooh. Court documents say. The old "Don't you know who I am?" story. Right, oh, not a man. good play. Not a good play. According to the criminal complaint filed in Anoka County, 52-year-old Richard Oluma Paul, the council member for Ward Three in Blaine, was charged with misconduct of a public officer or employee and code of ethics standard of conduct stemming from an incident that happened on the night of November third, this past November third. Uh, both charges are misdemeanors. The criminal complaint alleged that on the night of November 3rd, 2021, officers from the Blaine Police Department stopped a man riding a bike at night without a headlamp, rear lamp, or any reflective equipment. Once officers stopped the man and told him the reason for the stop, the man told officers that his name was Joseph Richard. When officers checked his name, they found an active warrant for theft out of Anoka County. The complaint goes on to say that while he was being searched, Joseph Richard told officers that a dad was a city council member for the town. Always a good move. He then called his dad, Richard Paul, to say if he could pick up his bike so it wouldn't have to be impounded. During the phone call, Joseph Richard told officers that his dad wanted to talk to them, according to the criminal complaint. While on the phone with officers, Richard's dad told officers that he was Richard Paul and told officers to bring his son home and drop him off. The responding officer then explained that Richard had a warrant out for his arrest and continued to try to explain to the defendant that he could not bring his son home, and the defendant continued to tell him to release his son and begin to threaten the officer, according to the complaint. Uh, Paul then told the officer, don't force me to do the other thing. When asked what he meant by it, Paul allegedly said, what do you mean, what do I mean? Documents say the officer then asked Paul if he was going to pick up Richard's bike and backpack. Paul said, I'm going to call the chief, and you're going to be out of work. 
then hung up the phone. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. <laughs> Later, when officers were putting the bike into the squad car, Paul arrived at the scene and blocked the northbound lanes with his car. According to court documents, what? he then got out of his car and began telling the officers to release Richard from their custody. When both officers told Paul they couldn't, he told them, you're out of work. Done. Go officers, home. Officers told Paul he could go to the jail that night and bail Richard out. However, Paul told officers, if I go tonight, you're both going to jail. When officers asked Paul by what means, uh, uh, what he meant by that, according to the complaint, Paul would not explain and got back into his car. Paul then drove around in front of the officers and insisted that Richard be released and said, it's going to be easy or it's not going to be easy. Both officers then offered to help put Richard's bike into Paul's vehicle, but the city council member declined and then drove off, according to the criminal complaint. The spokesperson for the city of Blaine confirmed to CARE 11 that Paul is still an active member of the city council. I mean, he's a city council member. He's not the governor, for crying out loud. The maximum sentence, that wouldn't have made any difference true, either. True, true. The maximum sentence for misconduct of a public officer or employee is a year in jail and up to a $3,000 fine. The maximum sentence for a code of ethics standard of conduct misdemeanor charge is 90 days and a $1,000 fine. Well, you get yourself what? one hell of a moron there for a council member. By the way, wouldn't him also blocking a squad car, isn't that obstruction of justice? He's lucky so. he didn't get arrested. What the hell happens to these politicians when they get they yes. get elected? They all turn into boss hog. Yeah. Y- yeah. You've got no power like that. You can't control the police. Yes, but Kenny, I'm on the city council. Those police officers use tremendous restraint do you think with they this were, clown. Do you think they were looking at each other and just laughing? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I hope they have body cams <laughs> yeah. that recorded all this and everybody's passing it around in Woodbury. Speaking of old school politicians, uh, my friend working at the airport today ran across R.T. Ryback waiting for a flight okay so i went up and introduced myself was he wearing biking shorts was uh, he was he he they why did you do that matthew because uh, that's matthew it is he was with his wife they were going somewhere and um, why would you do that i just matthew because I, I had i had to tell him one thing though oh boy I, and, and you know he knew who i was garage logic blah, blah, blah. i said it's funny though because joe has a theory that Former mayors, the the further back you get, the more you would want that person as a mayor. And I said, you are in that slot right now. He would rather have you back any day, and uh, he got a big kick out of it. He really misses uh, the person ahead of you. (laughs) Yes. And uh, then we were talking a little bit about Melvin Carter in St. Paul, and uh, he didn't offer any ill will. Who was ahead of him? Was it Sharon? Sharon. Sharon. Yeah. Then RT, then Betsy Bicycle? Yep. Oh, you're right. It was Betsy. And I then, about Betsy. Then it was the, G- uh, Small Fry. Yeah. 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 And my friend at the airport, seeing the, uh, a, not an elderly gentleman, a, a gentleman kind of wobbling along. I wasn't there today. The Arch. The Arch. Archbishop Hebda. Oh, boy. Did you say hi to him? Of too? course I did. Yeah. And I, uh, I confessed. I asked him if he knew a priest friend of mine, Father Jengdahl, who's a big fan of this show. Yeah. And he said, yes, he's a fine man. And I said, well, I confessed to Father Jengdahl last week that I stopped at Cecil's on, uh, was it Ash Wednesday or Friday? It must it have been Friday. Friday. It was Friday. He's, he looked at me and, and he said, you know, I can absolve you from that. I said, no, not yet. I want to. I want to hold on. You going to add some more to it? <laughs> yes. And then, I, of course, I wanted to see. All these I, people fleeing the cold weather? Uh, he has a conference. He's got a religious thing that he was going down to. Uh, is, for, it, is it in a warm weather city? It is a warm weather city. What about yes. RT? Where was he? Going? I didn't inquire. Okay. I, now I, remind me, was the Archbishop the one that uh, Roycey took I a was, swipe yes, at? Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. And what then the Arch it? wrote about it in his column in the Catholic Bulletin. Yeah, because it was Royce was rooting for a short service because yep. it was so it was hot, hot. In, in the church, right? Wasn't that what happened? Yeah. And the guy was so nice. I tried to give him a, a better seat. He said, "No, no, I'm fine where I am." He was in like row twenty or something like that. And uh, he's just a really good guy. Oh, I know, really yeah. good guy. Is there anybody in the world that you guys respect enough to where you won't shorten his title? It, it just, and I'm not even Catholic, but it just seems. A tad bit disrespectful to refer to him as the arch. arch. And he didn't. I've been calling it all the arches. I've always called arch. Uh, well, instead, I never. You can't I would just, go arch just, arch. The, just the extra half a second it takes to say archbishop. I know, Kenny. Look, look we're getting scolded if on, you, if on, you call on, him, on, on ethics by Kenny. Right. But if you well, call him archbishop immediately, it's more of a formal role. When he's at the airport, guard is down, you can be the arch. If he's in his. In I, uh, all his if he's in his, if he's got his outfit on, yeah, if he's got the thing and the crook, and the no, thing, the rook, what is that it? Big hat. Yeah, the, uh, then I'm I would not, know Archbishop uh, Hebda. Yes, I'm not sure if I was raised Protestant or Calvary or I don't know what it was, but I do know Plus that it really we, took. Huh? We weren't supposed to hate the Catholics. We were just supposed to pray for them. Oh, okay. Just say an extra prayer. Just pray, pray for prayer for the Catholics. That's very yeah. Christian-like. Yeah. Uh, there's a hundred thousand dollar program. Right now, uh, by Meet Minneapolis, M E E T, M E E T, to improve the we prospects are. of getting people back downtown. Oh, and uh, just thirty percent of hotel rooms in downtown were occupied in twenty twenty one. That's down from sixty eight percent in twenty nineteen. By the way, uh, I was notified over the weekend that the poorhouse has ceased operations in Uptown. Really? Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, that's one of the biggest establishments in Uptown. Even as the new Uptown Cafe opens. But listen to this. Meet Minneapolis pointed to a survey of meeting planners who used age-old words like cold and snow to describe Minneapolis, but also riots, safety, protests, and George Floyd. But uh, as my source notes, uh, how many cops could you? You could get a couple cops, couldn't you, for 100 grand? And that might make a difference whether people want to come back downtown or not? The big difference. Mm-hmm. What did Sheriff Fletcher said? The presence of a cop car or a cop will deter Absolutely. Crime. Even, well, honestly, even if it's unoccupied, even if it's just you know that there's a cop there. around. I, I think that's pre-COVID, pre-George Floyd thinking. I do, to too. I was just going to say, I don't think these kids care. They don't because they're ramming cop cars. They're intentionally fleeing in front of them because they know... Minneapolis won't chase. True, you know. but I guess the, the the street walkers. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I always thought that everything got de-escalated, and you you might be right. Oh, it, you mean beat cops walking the beat? I don't yes. beat cops. Well, do we even have them anymore? I don't know. We Saint might Paul. on the weekends. I don't. I don't know. Downtown, say on West Seventh Street, you do, or you did for a while there by Truck Park and um, Casetas. They were they were very visible there. Did you get to the wrestling tournament? I was just going to bring that up. I I snuck over there. My guy was wrestling at four o'clock, and at, well, the four o'clock session, 
You guys, there was nobody out down there. Was there anybody in the building there to watch was, the tournament? It was maybe half full, but keep in mind, it wasn't team. This was individual. Yeah. Because I think team took place on Saturday. Okay. But, yeah, I did. I made it there Friday afternoon. I was there for maybe 45 minutes. But you, when you say nobody there, you mean on the streets of St. Paul. So I parked. I didn't get your text till I'd already parked. Oh, you didn't see Mo? I, was gonna, I would have gone to Mo's, yeah. but I ended up parking in the, is it the Holiday Inn? What's on the corner right there? Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. so I parked in that ramp and walked two blocks to the X. With relative ease. I mean, I got, I parked in the second floor, pulled right in. I didn't see hardly anybody at Eagle Street or. You should have stopped yeah. down by Tom Reeds and said hi to McLaren and uh, Sophia. Darn it, I should have. Okay, <laughs> can, can we talk about something really important here? What do you um, got? Arsenic. Roy, uh, Royce uh, Such um, attributes uh, Herb Brooks' coached U.S. hockey team and our, our win to what? Remember? Hot goalie. Hot goalie. Mm-hmm. I've got a hot take on hot goalies. Mm-hmm. Royce is right. The, the Minnesota Wild, O-M-G. Well, it's just good to know that we don't have a goalie controversy because they both stink. <laughs> oh, wow. What, just, what, what happened when the when the Wild were 10-1 and one over 11 games? Uh, what happened? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's too easy to say their goalie isn't any good. Hold on, Kenny. I think their I goalies have, were fine. I think <laughs> I have the answer. I, I'm going back to that date, and the losing streak started when Joe uttered on this show, they're going to win the Cup. Mm-hmm. Same with Ross Brendel, my producer on the Krabby Show. My God, you guys that talk that way need to shut your dirty mouths. How'd you like the fact? Quit that, it. How'd you like the fact that Dean pulled his goalie with half the third period left? Yeah, Did it you almost see worked. That? It almost worked, and then finally somebody fired a shot from the far end, and it dribbled in. So I have a hockey question. I know we're going to discuss it at length during Monday Night Sports Talk, but when it got to four to three, when the when the Capers why not throw him back that's in? That's exactly what I said. Because the Russian was amazing and yesterday you had all in the, the momentum. third. Granted, there was just both under of those, two minutes left. Both of those goalies in the third from him were just amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It was cocking in yesterday, right? The last yeah. goalie, did you see? Capo. Uh, uh, he's waving at him. Hey, hit me, hit yeah. me. Boom, he lifted it up and put it in there perfectly. Well, let's save something for sports talk. You know what I'm saying? How about so. uh, on a lighter note? No. On a lighter note? Do you is get there that? such a thing? There is. Spiral light candles. Plus, I smelled spring this morning. You did? Yeah. Did you? Yep. Yeah. Oh, they're working on some fantastic scents at Spiral Light Candles. you got to go to their website, spiralightcandles.com. Again, if you want to get your hands on the top secret, it's not a big secret anymore, I guess, because we've been talking about it, the cylinder index candle, go to spiralightcandles.com, click on the bottom GL icon, and you can get your hands on that delicious-smelling garage candle. Now, if the CP, the bride, whoever you have isn't really into that, They've got all sorts of fantastic scents. And these candles burn in a circular motion. They don't burn like a regular boring candle. There's a lot of competition for candles out there. And they all burn alike, except Spiralite candles. Get your hand on one today. Go to SpiralightCandles.com. Locally owned, a GarageLogic family that's been listening for years. They're right here in Minnesota. Buy local. And don't buy boring candles anymore. Get a Spiralite candle. Check them out. SpiralightCandles.com. Why? Why? You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. Only. 
because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from our friend, the Traveling Lymans, the tra- our friends, the Traveling Lymans. It's on this day. March 7th. 1882. What okay. you got? The Minnesota State Butter and Cheese Association was organized in Rochester. The group promotes dairy farming in the state and counts among its successes the Grand Sweepstakes Award for the best butter at the 1885 World Industrial and Centennial Exposition in New Orleans. Wow. Distinction. On this day. Uh, March 7. 1913. Early this morning, a plainclothes policeman is beaten and thrown out of a room at the St. Paul Hotel where members of the state legislature and their friends are said to be playing cards. The officer returned with six more plainclothes men and exciting scenes follow, including the flight flight through a window into another room by a man who had hit the first policeman with his fist. Although at least one man is told to appear later in court, the entire matter is dropped while the legislators complain of a frame-up by the police and make trouble for members in disfavor with the city administration. All right, let's see if you've all been paying attention. What is the name, what is the word for when you are thrown through a window? There's a word for that. Thrown through a window? It's come up on the show before. When you're thrown through a window? Mm -hmm. It's not ringing a bell. I think it's called defenestration. Look it up. Oh, There's a real uh, word. Really? Uh, the word, French word for uh, window is fenêtre. Right. In French. It's, it's, French. it's fen- defenestration or fenestration. Wow, that is... What, what year was that, Joe? What year was what? Where they all got together. They... 1913. In the St. Paul Hotel? Defenestration. Yep. Do it again. Defenestration. Defenestration. Uh, Mr. President, could you please use the word defenestration in a sentence? I was trying to <clears throat> tie my shoes... And I defenestrated myself. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Were you it clearing brush? Be, have yes. you ever been thrown out a window? I have never been defenestrated. Okay. But I have had my my thoughts and my words. Yeah. They have been defenestrated through my brain. Right. So I don't even know where they go. <laughs> kind of out there. <laughs> but I remember in a, there was a, 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 a sh- it wasn't a show, it was a, uh, a documentary of somebody's life, and out in California, I believe it was Beverly Hills, there was a police officer who was uh, <laughs> undercover, was thrown through a window. He yeah. was defenestration. <laughs> right. Defenestrized. Are we done? Yes. Yes. Thank Very you, much so. What was that officer's name? Do you remember? Uh, Foley. <laughs> Axel Foley. <laughs> he was thrown out a window. Hit the music, Reaver. Yeah, got him. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to say something else. What was I going to say? I, I knew know. you would go with the, uh, the oh. Axel Foley reference. Very I was good. going through old stuff. I found a um, sheet of my grandpa's old jokes. Yeah. One of them was, what do you mean to be coming home at this hour of the night? And he said, I ran out of money. You're going for it. Kenny, uh, when we're done here, go to Pod MN to find another podcast that you want to listen to, like the Krabby Coffee Shop or something like that. Then I want you to go to the YouTube channel, subscribe Garage Logic. The Garage Logic YouTube page channel is a fantastic, entertaining thing to sign up for. Do it right now. And then friend us on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on Twitter. You will not be bored ever in your life again, John. Sure. I'm sure of it. Cha. 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 Cha.